Hi, this is Megan McHugh, and this is the podcast of Triple R Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy, and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website. G'day, welcome aboard the Starship Zero G science fiction, fantasy and historical radio for episode number 1258, entitled, Yeah, Mr. Smith, Science! (laughs) (laughs) Our podcast title is Fresh Print of Bel Air. (laughs) <laughs> There's reasons for that. Okay. <laughs> I am Rob Jan. And Megan McHugh. And thanks also to our podcaster, we mentioned our podcast title, uh, Kayla Larson, who is doing the not entirely unsung job of being Zero G's <laughs> to, uh, podcaster. And you can find podcasts for Zero G at rrr.org.au with our new, brand new podcasting platform service out there. Awesome stuff. All right, so... Uh, Megan, we have much things to talk about, many things to talk about today. Yes, so I just wanted to give a little update and talk about a couple of things I've been playing of late um, on various different consoles. So a couple of weeks ago, we talked a bit about the game Oxenfree, which I've been playing on the Switch, but is available pretty much on anything that you can imagine. Um, Now, at the time, I hadn't actually finished said game yet. Um, It's developed by Night School Studio, and it's just a little adventure game. It's sort of um, got little one-screen environments, and you're a little character, and you walk around and interact with your friends uh, to whom you've gone to this mysterious island with, and then obviously some supernatural chaos ensues. So I've actually since finished that game. And I still very, very strongly recommend it. I really loved it. I thought the narrative options and dialogue were really lovely and do a beautiful job of showing you some of the history of the characters and events that happened before and outside the world of the island in a really lovely way that's not too forced. It actually was a little bit spooky in some places. I think that was done really well. I think the characterization is um, quite genuine. Uh, So I really quite enjoyed that. So... I I sort of said at the time that unless something took a dramatic left turn that I (laughs) had loved the game and would be happy to recommend it. And I'm very pleased to say that no such turn occurred and I definitely think it's a game worth playing. It's just a small little kind of narrative one. Some people might call it a bit of a walk-em-up, but I think the story behind it and sort of the little – sort of the world that you spend time in is is definitely worth a look. So it's called Oxenfree. So O-X-E-N-F-R-E-E. And there are no oxen in it. No, no, there aren't. (laughs) Um, And it is available on Xbox, um, PS4. You can get it on your Mac or PC. um, And you can also get it on the Switch, which is where I played it, iOS and Android. So plenty, plenty of options, no excuse I got it on sale, but I think it's pretty good price anyway. So check that one out, Oxenfree. Other things I've been playing. Now, the much-hyped, much-talked-about untitled Goose Game by House House, uh, which is a <laughs> Melbourne studio. So they uh, had done a previous game called Push Me, Pull You, which is sort of – you can tell by the sort of animated style that they're sort of done by the same studio. But So Untitled Goose Game has been getting a lot of press because it has a pretty – catchy premise which is basically that you are a goose 
and you are unruly and mischievous and you will uh, wreak havoc on a a tiny little village by completing a series of tasks. So it's kind of a really nice excuse to be a bit of a devil in a game. Um, And so I downloaded this one on the Switch. It's on PC, Mac or Switch. And I think I got it on sale because it was the, when it was first released, it was actually at a sale price of about $21. And I think RRP is $30. Um, but like I said, it's a local Australian studio. So I was definitely happy to invest in this and have a look at it. And I really enjoyed it. So basically you're the goose. You have a couple of different actions that you can do, such as honking or flapping <laughs> okay. and picking things up and putting things down would be one of your main actions as well. And you're given a little to-do list and you go from different little areas of this village and uh, complete some dastardly tasks as you go, including things like um, knocking off people's glasses and stealing things from the <laughs> shop and flapping at people and... And just all kinds of different little random things, which actually really turns out to be quite a lovely uh, little sort of little little game to spend time with. So it's a very sort of small contained game. So I think it's pretty easy play. You could probably knock it off pretty quickly. But I definitely think the style of it is quite uh, very cute. I think especially the movements of the goose are what make it so... I guess, pleasing and quaint, <laughs> just the way you waddles about and you flap around as you're trying to complete your different tasks. And <laughs> It's always try- hard trying to explain that to people, the appeal of that sort of thing in a game. I know. and it's just, But I will say, I think they got a lot of press on this because it was sort of such a funny premise, but they've yeah. really pulled through because there's a plenty of games that have a gimmicky premise and actually... They're not that interesting, not that fun to play, not as cute as the idea sounded, but this is not one of those. I definitely think behind a funny premise is a pretty solid little puzzler um, that's quite fun to play. I should mention as well that the music in this is really lovely as well, and it's done by um, some a local Melbourneian also. So it's just, you know, it's kind of nice to support the folks in our city. So there's got a lovely little um, sort of classical score that goes with it as well. Mm-hmm. And it just it creates a really lovely mood. I don't know. It's just something really special about the game. I mean, you're not going to be with it for hours and hours. <laughs> it's not going to change your whole life. But I think in terms of something fun, a fun idea that has come to a nice little neat fruition, um, I'd be happy to recommend this one as well. So, so we should have a gander at uh, this one. <laughs> exactly. Exactly we should. <laughs> is, is, Ryan, is Ryan Gosling doing any of the voices? <laughs> he might be the honk. He might do the honk sound. Um, but, yes, so I would definitely, definitely uh, say you can check either of those out. So I played both of them on Switch. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I'm not sure about other platforms, but I'm sure be equitable. So that was the first one was Oxenfree. Second one was Untitled Goose Game. Mm. So some nice little puzzlers to yeah, keep me yeah. keep me going. I'm so. still hanging out for the cat game. The, the, oh, the, the yes. Well, that's what I mean. There's so many different interesting ideas. It's always really nice when something pulls through, I think. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So I'd happily recommend both those. Okay, cool. Uh, on a uh, well, it's a completely unrelated note, so there's no um, no cool segue. No, no, really, no cool segue. Especially since it's a, a fairly somber subject. Uh, cosmonaut Alexei Arkhipovich Leonov has passed away. Uh, he was born on the 30th of May 1934, and died on the 11th of October. 
Air Force Major General, that's Soviet Air Force, um, writer and artist, and of course, spacewalker. In 1965, on the 18th of March, he was the first human being to actually step outside of his spacecraft in orbit during uh, the Voskhod 2 mission. He spent a total of 12 minutes and 9 seconds outside and nearly all eternity because the the airlock, uh, which was a kind of a jury-rig kind of inflatable airlock on the side of the Voskhod, which is different from what the early ones did with the... um, uh, the American um, spacewalking, there was no airlock on those. They just opened up the whole ship to Jeez. space and then repressurized. Yeah, it's just like, I just, <laughs> I just open the door and go outside. But he had to go yeah. through an airlock. And there were sort of problems with that because um, while he was outside, uh, he was he, his suit inflated too much and it kind of jammed up and stopped him from getting back in. Jeez. He had to open a valve on his suit to bleed off some of the air. So I could get back inside. That's definitely like one of my worst nightmares. Yeah. Well, because of this uh, experience as a spacewalker, they selected him to become the commander of a uh, of a, a circumlunar Soviet space mission, which would fly around the moon. But that was later cancelled uh, because they'd already done that with Apollo eight. So you know the space race had moved on. Uh, they also selected him to be the first. A Soviet person to land on the moon. So he could have been there yeah. back in the day, but they also cancelled that. Uh, so eventually he did get back into space in 1971 um, in the uh, Apollo Soyuz mission to uh, Sayyid 1. And um, he, well, actually, he was supposed to have been there too, but again, replaced. <laughs> But when he did get back into space, sorry, he was um, the commander of the Soyuz capsule in the Soyuz Apollo mission. So I don't know if you know about that one, but um, that was the uh, – it was kind of a, a hands-across-space mission, um, <laughs> shades of Quatermass. <laughs> uh, but it was designed to use up um, – uh, leftover hardware from the Apollo program. So they had a few Saturn Vs kicking around and a few Apollo capsules. Uh, and so they decided to do this big, uh, broad gesture. Now, that that, that, that uh, leads into some of the other things that um, he was involved with. Um, Arthur C. Clarke um, was friends with uh, Leonov, and they he, he very much liked, Leonov very much liked the way that that was depicted in 2001 Space uh, space Odyssey, the spacewalking in that. He's saying you, you're sitting there out in your suit and you can hear your own breathing and that's it, you know, <laughs> oh. nothing else out there. See, to me, this is a joy. I'd love to do this any day, zero G for zero G, perfect. <laughs> I just, there's a limit for me. I think there's, there's, it's cool to the point where, you feel like the void is crushing your chest and you might float forever in space. Oh, no, I love that. I'm fine with <laughs> I that. I couldn't. I couldn't. <laughs> nah. Well, you can be ground control and I can be major role. I can, I'm happy to be inside the ship. Oh, okay. So I'll be in there in a safe area. Yeah. And you can go and bounce around outside and okay. then I'll let you back It's in. a deal. You hear that, Elon? <laughs> <laughs> we've got it all planned out. Yeah, we've got it all planned Do out. Do not That's worry. It. Using the, we'll fly off on the uh, Elon Musk starship, <laughs> which, by the way, is this awesome stainless steel, majestic rocket ship. Anyway, uh, back to um, Alexei Leonov. Um, he uh, worked on... Um, uh, many books uh, about astronautics and was also a space artist. Uh, he actually took pencils up with him into space. 
and uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I thought so. so. And and some of his artwork is is um, now out there online, and you can see it. Arthur C. Clarke had a, a one of his paintings in his um, in his house. And <laughs> it's just so cool to be to have all those achievements within your life. There's a crater on the far side of the moon named after him, and uh, an asteroid. Yeah. And, of course, the Russian spaceship in 2010, Odyssey 2, was named after him, a design which was um, later homaged in uh, the science fiction TV series Babylon 5 as um, a mega-class destroyer or something. Uh, so the news of um, Leonov's passing, well, that arrived in space itself uh, aboard the International Space Station just as they were beginning a, a long spacewalk yeah. to um, replace some batteries in the solar system outside. Uh, so the solar power system outside. There are times when I, I mess up my um, dialogue <laughs> because I'm trying to um, uh, nuance it and, and, and think back upon myself. I'm a bit like Elon Musk. He does that too. I'm nothing like Elon Musk or Iron Man for that matter. Anyway, uh, so, you know, they uh, said uh, aboard the space station, um, here's a toast to a great man whose kindness and mentorship impacted so many explorers. And that's, that's very true. Alexei Leonov, cosmonaut. He was a spaceman, uh, no longer with us. So I, I have a track here uh, which is called... Um, uh, oh, I've got to get the Russian going sort of on this one. Um, I might actually be my Russian the way that's put. might be Italian. Uh, Ante la imenistad, which is the Alexei Leonov intergalactic mix, if I... If I Read this correctly from uh, Gem- Geminis 2. Yeah. So here we go with that one. Triple R's podcasts have been revamped, rejigged, and relaunched. Check them out via rrr.org.au or your favourite podcast app or platform. This is Neil Gaiman. It's well past 2000 AD, but Tharg still listens to Zero G. Yeah, he does indeed. And we had, uh, I've got to try this again. Ante la inmenesidad, <laughs> Alexei Leonov intergalactic mix from uh, Geminis 2. So that was a, a nice little thing there to play. Um, actually, I didn't realise that it had um, Hell 9000 dialogue in there. Mm-hmm. And that does actually directly um, reference uh, the Alexei Leonov, the spaceship in 2010, a spa- Odyssey 2. Of course, commemorating the passing of the great late astronaut cosmonaut Alexei Leonov. All right, now we're moving off into uh, another title that is ostensibly space-born, but has nothing to do with that. <laughs> Gemini Man, <laughs> which I went to see. Uh, what did I do? I went. Um, I saw the last day of the t- last days of the Terracotta Warrior exhibition at the oh, NGV. Yes, did you like that? Yes, I did. I very thought much. it was quite. I actually have been to Xi'an and seen them in oh, their lucky natural habitat, yeah. which was obviously incredible. We're just having a little diversion here before we talk about Gemini Yes, my Man. apologies. No, my that's apologies. all right. I've that's gotten... all right. No, keep going. Um, I'm fascinated. What I will say is that seeing them at the NGV, you can see some of the detail and things. And yeah. I, yeah, I really loved that exhibition. So. That's why I went. <laughs> <laughs> I have actually seen them before in, um, in another exhibition, but uh, it was nice to be in the presence again because I was like, 
um, having a good look at the back of the armour. Yes, and yeah. Bits and pieces and the charioteers and things. And the collaboration obviously is pretty amazing as well because they had oh, – yeah. no, I don't remember the artist's name. But they do a collaboration with another modern artist. Oh, the Gunpowder Man. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so that's also very cool. Yeah. Anyway. Anywho. <laughs> after, so you did that. After then... I did that and I, and I was feeling the um, – the pinch of uh, gallery shuffle, you know how you sort of, yes. yeah, because I, I sort of go in this like very intense uh, costume detail capture mode when I'm watching yeah. these things and it takes it out of you. So then I went off to relax and watch Gemini Man, which is um, directed by Ang Lee and written by David Benioff, Billy Ray, and it's based on a very old concept by Darren Lenk. Hmm. Now, of is co- Benioff from... Game of Thrones, Benioff? It, it could be. Mm, uh, Ang Lee has, of course, done many science fiction and fantasy movies. Uh, Hulk, Life of Pi, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. So, you know, he's a guy who, who knows what he's about when it comes to genre. Uh, although people would say perhaps not for Hulk. Mm. The only real problem I had with Hulk is it had daddy issues in it once again. 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 I, I mean, it's just a different take on it. So. Actually... Uh, Gemini Man has daddy issues too. It's like the theme uh, of the day. Yeah. Now, Henry Brogan is a 51-year-old covert operations government agency sniper. Right. Who specialises in wet jobs, which is to say killing enemies of the US state at long range, Um, which is different to what um, Donald Trump does, which is like killing us all softly with his song essentially, <laughs> or his tweets. I, I pause to note, again, that all of the black ops agencies in this movie have branded logos on caps and writ large insignia on the side of their buildings. Okay. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> Nobody should know about Oh, us. I see. Not very covert. <laughs> no. I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> so so covert, it's overt. Anyway, Henry... Hiding in plain sight. <laughs> Henry is feeling his age, both physically and mentally, as his aim is not quite as good as it was. And he's also suffering from the trauma of shooting dead so many people, Mm. even if they are bad guys and perhaps gals. Mind you, the victims probably feel the trauma a lot more. Well, not at all. So he decides to retire. Now, in the long history of the government assassin subgenre in movies and in television, from Secret Agent Man to Callan to the elderly and lethal men and women seen in the Reds movies and beyond... Retirement has never actually gone well for anyone involved. Oh, no. And so it proves here. Was it? Yeah. It's always (laughs) like, tomorrow I'm going to retire. This is my last day on the job. And then, you know. Yeah, that's it. Cue horrible event. I I don't think it's a spoiler to note that this is a movie that involves. Well, it may be, I suppose. And I give you leave to retreat to a safe distance if you don't know why this film is called Gemini Man. They're all running away. They're doing their, they're doing their Muppet, Muppet. The <laughs> Liz Lemon Muppet run. Um, it's, do you know? I am, so I, I have some idea because yeah. I've looked, I've seen some articles on the technology that was used to achieve said effect. Okay. Am I on the right road here? All right. So, okay, I'm going to spoil it now. Okay, go on. Uh, Gemini Man is about cloning a human being. Okay, yes, that's what I thought. Will Smith's character in this case. Now, this film has been in development hell since the 1990s. Wow. <laughs> and that's a problem. Yeah. Because it plays it now. It plays like a 90s film. Yeah, I'm watching this thinking, this is like, 
this is like a 90s pilot for what might have ended up as a, a reasonable television series. So it hasn't evolved and see, like, because there's been so much that's happened in cinema since what, 30, yes. 20 to 30 years ago? Yes. So mm, okay. um, back then, if they'd done it, maybe they would have done um, superimposition. Mm. They would have uh, used makeup. That face thing they did for Social Network. Yeah. yeah. Stunt work. Mm. Um, the stunt double. Will Smith's stunt double would have played him. They would have showed the back of his head. So what have they done here? I think they actually did that at one stage. Um, okay. Essentially, they've digitally de-aged the lead actor. Okay. And that's the gimmick of Gemini Man. That's Yeah, that's what I'd seen reports of yeah. that will de-aged. Now, this has been done a lot lately from yes. Robert Downey Jr.'s de-aging in um, Captain America Civil War to Sam Jackson's very effective co-star turn as young Nick Fury in Captain Marvel. They've used it quite a lot in the Marvel used films it a lot. as well, especially in Captain Marvel because it was the way where it was set. Now, this is no sh- no casting no shade upon Will Smith because actually he's pretty good at this okay. in both his roles. Okay. Um, some of the other actors across the years who are rumoured to have taken the lead role of this script that was being shopped around, Harrison mm. Ford, Mel Gibson, Eastwood, Arnie, Stallone and Sean Connery. Okay. I actually would have loved to have seen Sean Connery do this. That would have been interesting. Yeah. I do think Will is – I mean, he was very – this is the thing. His casting too is also, to me, very 90s as well. Like, that was kind of his era. Well, have you noticed that he's, he was actually the science fiction film's leading man? And well, he has he, been for a while. Yeah, because he was in that I Am Legend. Yep, Men in Black. Uh, that other thing he was in with his son. What was that called? Uh, After, After Earth. Earth. Yes. Um, uh, Wild Wild West, mm. which is science fiction. Well, he was a big, big star. Independence Day. Absolutely. Hancock. But these are all films that are 15 to 20 years old. Yeah. So. Actually, Winter's Tales of Reason. Aladdin. The Triumph that is Aladdin. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. No comment. Okay. Um, but, you know, I, I, I always thought that he was a, uh, a pretty uh, clued, clued up sort of actor oh, yeah. in the genre. Um, and there are good performances by all concerned in this film. Who else have we got flapping about in this? Well, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Um, uh, Orphan Black is probably the most accomplished clone story yeah. that we've seen. Uh, that's a television show, of course, with the advantages of, um, of it being a, a long form. I suppose in terms of clone stories where the twist is not it's a clone, mm. stories that are built around duplicate characters, I suppose. Yeah. Because there's plenty of films where it's like, surprise, it's a clone. I mention um, Orphan Black because... The lead actress in that, mm. the wonderful Tatiana Maslany. Yes. She lost out on the role of playing the female lead in this oh. to Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Oh, I do like her. She is so watchable. Yeah, she's I, She's convincing and I always mm. find her as genuine and so she is here. Mm. And she's playing an action hero because she's, a, she's an action hero in this as well. I mean, maybe they were like, we don't want to pigeonhole this yeah. thing with Tatiana. But I like Mary Elizabeth. Yeah, I will. I'll, I'll watch. I'll watch her until I'm brain dead, basically, <laughs> um, until the ants come home. <laughs> Clive Owen is in this. Guess what? He's playing a villain. Well, not surprising. Um, and Benedict Wong, ah. Wu from, um, uh, sorry, Wong from um, <sighs> Captain. Nope. Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange. <laughs> yes, so he does play Wong. There. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, nice. He's, he makes an appearance as one of the many people who pop up along the way okay. to help uh, Henry Brogan as things go pear-shaped in his retirement. Mm. It's so difficult collecting those checks. 
It's interesting. I... Okay, there's some. I'll talk about the good things first. Mm. All right? Yes. Um, the performance. <laughs> You've shown your hand a little there. I have. I have. <laughs> Performances are great. Um, yep. You know, everyone. All actors we like. Yeah, and of course, it's an actor's challenge to play against themselves on screen, yeah. even though they're not actually present in the digital. Sense. So I guess. Did they have a stand-in person? Um, actually, he... Will Smith is playing him, his younger self using motion capture. Yeah, okay. So digital... they, they would have had to do it the old I Dream of Genie way where he does the scene and then he does the scene again. I'm sure they were able to use his stuntman playing him or Got something it. like that. Or uh, it, it, yeah, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. complex. But he probably no doubt was acting against a tennis ball at some point. <laughs> probably. So, yeah. Um, okay. There are great locations in this. Mm. Um, it's stunningly photographed. South America, Georgia, Hungary. Is it very futuristic? Like, are we Not talking? It looks, or it's meant to look like now? No, you'd you'd hardly know the okay. the futurism yeah. in this. That's good. Um, and it was shot digitally at an extra high frame rate of 120 frames per second, hmm. uh, which they did modify for 3D, so you could see it in 3D. Did you see it through? I did not. Um, but it's really crisp, even so. Okay. Uh, beautifully shot. And this is Ang Lee. You're not going to get a dud shot in this He's, film. Yeah. Lovely film. And, and all the digital cloning, cloning is done by Weta Digital. Oh, great. So quality stuff here. Um, and the fights. Mm, uh, good choreography. Yes. Um, they, they are a bit muddy in places, mm. just in, in, in close combat sort of stuff. Yeah. I don't know not quite what's going on, just a flurry of, and, you know, it's hard. realistic. I, I get that. Um, but uh, in some other parts of the fights, it's amazing. It's really, really okay. well done. There's nice. a, there is a, a vehicle chase in this w- that w- is to die for. That, um, oh God, was it Maggie Chung in um, one of the uh, Jackie Chan films? I saw her do this. Oh, it was just a, a wonderful motorcycle chase. What's scene. like the main co- antagonist here? Uh, well, it is a clone story. Now, when you do clone stories like this, it's very often the case that you're going to end up fighting yourself. I was going to say, so is it like young him turns up one day, throws his life into disarray kind of story? Or is yeah, it like, yeah, yeah okay, yeah. all right, yep. Now, you may feel that I've given too much away there, but, you know, it's all pretty much in the trailer. So. Well, and there's been a lot of talk around it about this whole Will thing. I, I don't and think, I gave you a I chance. I think you're fine. Yeah, 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 I think you're fine. Yeah. I think it's part of the promotional material. You know, now, once you have a clone in play in an action movie, you just know they're there for the purpose of fighting version 1.0 of the lead character. Yes. It was done in uh, Replicant and a very and very poorly in Star Trek Nemesis, mm-hmm. where they missed the marvellous opportunity to have Patrick Stewart play against himself oh. in favour of casting Tom Hardy as a clone of Picard. Oh. Yeah. Sometimes they do it with Android duplicates or mirror yes. universes yeah, yeah, yeah. or or time travel. Time travel. Yeah, because we just saw Captain America fight a slightly younger version of Steve Rogers in Avengers Endgame. Um, look, I actually think that the interaction between the two characters works. It looks like original Will Smith is dialing back his uh, sass a bit so that he seems a little bit um, older than the younger one. Got it. The only trouble is the younger one has got to be dialed back too for reasons that are in the plot. Um but it works quite well, yeah. you know. Okay. But it still feels like a '90s thing, and it's the 21st century. Yeah. Quite far into it, and you just see. Is it yeah. exciting? Um, the, the fight scenes actually were, I thought, were exhilarating. I wrote mm. that down in big letters on my <laughs> my notebook. Um, that usually means something. It usually mm. means I'm impressed. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't give this a hell yeah mm. or a, a double yeah, mm. which I could do if it was a clone movie, which it is. Um, but I'll, I'll give it a sort of a, a yeah, maybe you know okay. you can 
I just it just feels like this the, the time to have done this film has kind of passed. Yeah, and anything it might have had to offer has been done in other films since then quite yeah, well. Maybe. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. So um, that's Gemini Man. I, I it, it's mm. it's a, a a missed opportunity, but it's kind of. It's kind of an old missed missed opportunity. Yeah, does that make sense? Yeah, I see what you mean. Like you don't actually feel like you've missed much because there's other great, similar, better things that you've seen. Yeah, yeah, if that makes sense. On uh, a brief, brief note, because oh, did you have anything else on that before I do a, a brief no. Megan side note? <laughs> Megan note. <laughs> Megan side note. Just because we're thinking about Shut older, up, Meg. older. <laughs> you have to hone your Peter Griffin a bit more. Yeah, I um, do. Because uh, we were talking about old, young, time travel and whatnot. I was thinking of Looper and then because we'd yes. also talked about Chris Evans a lot. Yes. Have you seen there's a new film that's coming out? It's like a murder mystery thing yes. by Ryan Johnson with um, Chris Evans in it. Yes. And a load of other actors. It's called Knives Out. Yes. I'm not actually sure when we're getting it's it. It's got um, our Bond guy in it too, the old Bond guy at least. Craig, Daniel Craig. Yeah. And Tony Collette. Mm-hmm. Also uh, the kid that played Bill in It, Jaden something. It reminds me of um, not Murder, She Wrote, hmm. although there are similarities. Murder by Death. Look yes. that one up. It's, a, it's an old... Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, this I reckon they would have used that as an inspiration where you just get a bunch of stars, put them in a room. Is that the one that has Pete, uh, Peter Sellers in it? Uh, very possibly. It's like quite old and uh, quite old. <laughs> it is old, and it has um, uh, Truman Capote in it. Who is killing? It does. Yeah, who is, it does. Who is killing the great chefs of Europe? Another one. It's from 1976. Peter Falk. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, it's got that kind of feel to it. To and me. Clue, like the and and Chris Evans swearing a lot. Ooh, language. Excellent. Yeah. But yeah, I just thought, I, I'm a big sucker for murder mystery stuff. So I think you might like the idea of this. I think it, it's it could be fun. I mean, yeah. Although I caution you, the horror movie Midsummer has nothing to do with Midsummer County. <laughs> nothing, nothing. Did we end at up all. talking about that? Um, I didn't get to see it, unfortunately, and I, I do regret that. Yeah, I've heard it's a, a really good horror film. It's all right; we can still catch it. Yeah, it'll come out in DVD. We'll be able to watch that. I didn't get a chance to see it either. Yeah. All right. Anywho. Um, uh, yeah. All right. So <laughs> let's have a track here. I think our uh, a David Bowie track Ooh, yes. for today. Which is since we were talking about Gemini Man and astronauts and so on, um, I took a trip on a Gemini spaceship, Mr. David Bowie. He's lifting off once again, but not as Major Tom. Hey, this is Craig Charles, Dave Lister from Red Dwarf. You're listening to the London Jet Zero G Football Show. What? Zero G? Science fiction show? Oh, Smeg. Yes, Meg, indeed, matey, and that was I took a trip on a Gemini spaceship. Our David Bowie track of the week. Well, I've been off to see. Well, let me say <laughs> You've that. Been off to the couch to see. Uh, yes, <laughs> no, I was on my laptop, <laughs> so that does count. Uh, the Netflix has just dropped El Camino. Yes, which is the uh, the Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. Oh, the Breaking Bad um, movie. Movie. I yeah. mean, Breaking Bad, almost perfect TV show in my opinion. Yes. I, I know a lot of people who love it and rewatch it. I probably would never rewatch it, 
but that's just because when I first saw it, I just think it was so wonderful to watch fresh. Yeah. It's not something I would return to necessarily, but some of those episodes in that last season, very, very fine pieces of, mm. of work. Yeah, it really was the... I know the title was Breaking Bad, but they certainly broke good for most of the quality of the stories in, in there. So the uh, El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I have mixed feelings about it because it's like a Netflix sequel. I've, you know, the Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon one was very ordinary. Mm. Um, you know, sometimes it doesn't work. Although, you but know, the Dark Crystal stuff the they've Dark done. Dark Crystal is magnificent. It. Exactly. So, so you know, no real. Um, but you just get a bit worried. Yes, of know. course, and especially because it's something that I feel ended in such a wonderful way. Like the last episode of that season is fun. one of the best ever. Fun for all the family, wonderful way. <laughs> <laughs> not not exactly uplifting, but perfect in its own way, I think. Yeah. So it's always you're a bit eyebrow raised when they're going to continue that story. Mm. Even though Better Call Saul, of course, has come but that's in with prequel. fresh. Exactly. And it's very different. Yeah. Too. But also equally good, actually. Amazing. Yeah. So uh, Vince Gilligan has done quite well. They are milking the success of Breaking Bad, of to be sure, to be sure. Of course. Now, the um, the Chevrolet El Camino, the title is, of course, a, a pickup truck. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's um, it was Todd's car. Yes. From the, uh, the white supremacist um, group. Uh, and uh, we last saw Jesse fleeing in that El Camino. And yes. that's given its name to this. Uh, Jesse. And okay. and I initially thought I'm not going to try. I'm not going to. Well, you know, there's. I'm not going to try and spoil it. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to spoil yeah. it. Yeah, because I think it's only been out for a couple of days. Yeah, the El, with the title of El Camino, that's um that's like calling an episode of Supernatural Chevy Impala. Mm. You, you immediately think that there's going to be a a whole road trip yes. involving this car, but. Not so much, so mm. don't get into that headspace. It's... I wouldn't even know what to expect from from this. Well, closure. Ah, oh, for Jesse. For Jesse. Okay, yeah. that's actually something I am interested in mm-hmm. because Jesse is one of the great tragic characters of modern television. I think. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> it, it it will give you that, and you also know going in that you're going to get some. Uh, flashbacks and other characters interesting you know i mean oh because we know that uh, there's been actors attached to this yeah yeah you know that there's going to be flashbacks you can't help not Mm. have those that's partially why you do something like this although i will say that that some of those land not awkwardly but really oddly because this has been it's like 10 years now isn't it uh last episode was 2013 yeah we're getting so almost, almost ten, year, ten years, over ten years since it started. Yeah, in yeah, exactly. So yes. you know, yep, yep, yep. Um, and then a lot of the actors who have been in Breaking Bad over time have gone on to great things, other great things, I should yes, say. Yes. Um, and there's one in particular who I I won't name because that'll give the game away. But I now know them for something else entirely. I legit it. I know exactly <laughs> who you're talking about. Just because my mind's an online IMDb, so, but I know exactly. Yeah. Who you're talking about. <laughs> I love that statement. My lines <laughs> and online. <laughs> it really is like who would, who thought that I yeah anyway. Uh, interesting. Okay, <laughs> but but not necessarily just because of a since asso- past association. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rather than it being uh, poorly executed. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's good. That's it, good. To it, know. It's hard for me to go back. It's a, it's in the mind of Rob, not necessarily yeah, no. <laughs> Vince's uh, doing. No, no, exactly. And actually, considering who they are, it would have made a great difference if they'd been that person, that character <laughs> back then. Um, 
Okay, uh, enough enough elliptical sort of stuff. Um, it is like a, any good episode of Breaking Bad, mm-hmm. so don't don't you worry about that. It's it's all the, the quality is there. Great, um, I'm glad to hear that. I, I felt that it uh, it dealt justly with um, with Jesse's ongoing story arc. Mm-hmm. Um, it gave him closure too, not just us, not just us, oh, Jesse. There are things that he gets to do in this that you sort of thought, well, yeah, you know. Uh, And because there are elements of the old Breaking Bad within this that are being tied off, um, including a couple that were never actually in the original Breaking Bad, that I had to look up and go, wait a minute, we never actually did see that. But that's all right. It Mm -hmm. felt like they were. Um, This is a a film that uh, you will find... Very illuminating upon the life of Jesse Pinkman. Almost called him Jesse Custer just for a moment there in a preacher-like mode. <laughs> um, so he really does become a, a puffer fish in this. You know, there's, there's elements that you'll like to see. and okay. As well as old friends and old enemies and all that sort of stuff. Good. Excellent. Yeah. So, you know, I, I thought this was one – this movie justifies itself – um, yeah. In, in in existing, it's not just a sequel. Okay, so it's its own contained good thing. Yeah, I'm trying to think about. I mean, why the hell would you watch this if you hadn't seen Breaking Bad? I was going to say, I would say, I was going to ask if it stood up on its own, but you wouldn't want it to, would you? Really? Um, no, it, it, it can't really ever be. Um, it's entirely its own movie. You know? Yeah, it, but within the. I think it's its own thing in the umbrella of the Breaking Bad world, which I think is yes. fine. Yes. I don't think it – I think you obviously need to be familiar with that umbrella world. Yeah, because it's it's intricately woven yeah. woven throughout. And you'd get more out of it if you'd seen Breaking Bad. Don't go and watch the – read the last chapter before you've read the rest of the book. Um, the camera work and everything is is still just as good as it's ever been, you mm. know. Uh, and there's some Easter eggs hidden away in this thing. <laughs> there's some characters in this – who have um, done quite well out of the whole Breaking Bad uh, scenario and have gone out and spent lavishly on things that their characters would logically do. Okay. And it's just hilarious seeing what they've done with their place. (laughs) (laughs) I won't tell you any more than that. I'm keen Um, to to check this out. Obviously... um, if you're, you know, remembering the the end of Breaking Bad, and this is a spoiler, um, for we, the end of Breaking Bad, yeah, we saw Jesse escaping from captivity in the neo-Nazi compound with the help of Walt. Yes, um, but this film will show you how he comes to terms with that captivity because you can't just brush that mm. away, you know. And he was less of an agent. Yeah. In that, he had no agency in that escape, really. Yeah. As such. Apart from actually getting the hell out of Dodge. Oh, it's interesting, isn't it? It is just as evil as many of the uh, Breaking Bad episodes. I was going to say, we're talking a bit of violence here as well, obviously. Absolutely. Uh, And like any good criminal investigation, they do tie up quite a few loose ends. Good. So El Camino, Breaking Bad, very elliptical talking there. Mm. Um, And that's uh, an awesome little um, thing to watch on Netflix at the moment. I think. So Is it you, long? Um, you know what? It didn't feel like long enough to me. Oh, I could have okay. gone on for another half hour and watched it all. Let's get some uh, some music in for us here. Um, and we'll have um, the Breaking Bad Sunset 
end credits, just to remind you of everything we miss now. (laughs) Hi, I'm Jannie Wirtz, fantasy author and artist. And whether you walk in the shadows or the light, you're listening to Zero G on 3RRR. Oh, yes. Dave Porter there with the Breaking Bad. Sunset and credits. Oh, that brings back that little twanging. Yeah. Makes me feel like I'm in the desert of Albuquerque. Albuquerque. <laughs> with a bunch of blue crystal meth. Those people who took a very wrong turn mm-hmm. on the way to Albuquerque. Oh, that's such a good show. Okay. Yeah, anyway, enough, I'm done. Enough. So it makes good. me, you know what I want to do? I, I want to go out onto, go outside, look up on the roof, find a pizza, <laughs> <laughs> and have lunch. <laughs> um, cool. All righty. Okay. Now, um, some sad news, actually. The uh, the same, almost the um, it was the day the same day that uh, the Breaking Bad's El Camino dropped on Netflix. Unfortunately, actor Robert Forster, who starred in um, an episode of uh, the original Breaking Bad season and um, uh, other relevant um, venues, he uh, passed away. And Robert Forster is a, a really one of those actors who's been around for so many movies and television shows. Yeah, very uh, familiar face. Robert Wallace Forster Jr., um, July 13th, 1941 uh, to October the 11th, American actor. He was in the television show Banyan from 1971 to 73. He was Arthur Petrelli, the father of Nathan and Peter Petrelli in Heroes. That's, oh, yeah, that's, that's where it. I recognise him yeah. from. He was in Twin Peaks. In 2017, which is a really <laughs> odd thing because he was supposed to be in the original one, but he had a, a had to be do a, a, another television pilot, and so he got replaced. He was going to play Sheriff Harry S. Truman. Oh. And he was replaced by Michael Ontcan. Um, he, he he went on, Forster that is, went on to appear in uh, Lynch's Mulholland Drive. Uh, and... <laughs> he finally did get to appear as Sheriff Harry S. Truman's brother, Frank <laughs> Truman, in Twin Peaks: I love The that. Return. That's a great deal. <laughs> that's in, that's is just delightful. You know, that's so much fun. Uh, Robert Forster was in um, Disney's The Black Hole mm-hmm. in 1979, a movie which I particularly disliked, but had some great production <laughs> line, design. Um, Alligator, a lot of B movies. Uh, Scanners, the Showdown, which went straight to um, Scanners, the video. Showdown. Uh, the nineteen ninety eight Psycho. I think he played a doctor in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Supernova, Mulholland Drive, mentioned uh, mm-hmm. Charlie's Angels, Full Throttle, D War, and The Descendants. His career got a, a kickstart again in uh, nineteen ninety seven with Jackie Brown. So, you know, the Tarantino-esque He's worked with thing. some interesting pieces. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's just – if I could list all his, his credits, it would take me the rest of the show, so I'm not <laughs> going to do that. <laughs> uh, yeah, sadly died on October the 11th, uh, age of 78, from brain cancer at his home in L.A. So, yeah, I, I, I will miss him. His pres- one of those actors who, when they, they appear, you go, hey, yeah, it's him. You just like to see him. He's going to bring some dignity and <laughs> and and a bit of a hard hard edge to his roles usually, like yeah. the one he played in, in Breaking Bad. Robert Forster, gone, but definitely not forgotten in the magic world of cinema and television. Indeed. Uh, okay, now next week you were going to do um, yes. something that you've been watching? Yes, so I – watching, polished watching. off in quick order, yeah. uh, Mindhunter. So it's a Netflix show. It's – 
uh, second season was released semi-recently. Yes. And so I hadn't watched any of it, so I've whipped through it, and we talked a little bit about it, and I think we might do that next week. So, Rob, you might have a chance to watch a couple, see what you think. Mind Hunter. Yes. This is a serial killer one, isn't it? A vintage serial killer. Yes. So if you like (laughs) Zodiac by David Fincher, you would like this. Oh, good. Fincher is involved. He directs a lot of episodes, as does Andrew Dominic directs a couple. He did uh, Chopper and The Assassination of Jesse James okay. by the coward Robert Ford. So there's a great um, selection of directors. It's got a really lovely mood set in the 70s based somewhat on true stories. So we'll dig into that a bit more. Um, it's like an FBI serial killer. Thing, and we'll so. probably almost certainly have a look at uh, Deadwood the movie. Yes. It's a lot of yeah, A bit of retro. Yeah, retro stuff. Yeah. There. All right, that's about it for Zero G today. Thank you, Megan. Thank you, Rob. And we'll go out with a track um, called Nine Lives in Cat's Eyes, <laughs> which is by El Camino. I figured that would be a just tribute to Jesse Pinkman's remarkable longevity as a character <laughs> and staying power. Joe Brunetic coming up next with Astral Glamour. G'day, this is Rob Jan. Thanks for listening to the podcast at Triple R Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy, and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website.